What's up, PC Familia members and sports fans around the world? Yes, you guessed correct. Welcome back to a press coverage sports show, and it's brought to you by Persistence Culture Media. Um, and joining me today in the Mel Eats studio uh, is my man, Jeremy Schiffman. Jeremy, what's going on, brother? What's up, Jason? Thank you once again for letting me back in the Yellow Table room. This Hell is yeah. awesome, and I'm excited. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm always excited to, excited to chop it up with you. Definitely sports-based. You always come with, with uh, some science. Solid takes, and you always back it up with some statistical knowledge. So I'm That's excited right. for excited for this show, dude. And like, sports world is just buzzing right now. Playoffs are on and racking. I mean, they're even dropping pucks in NHL. Yep. Uh, college football is starting to get more well defined as the season ticks by week by week by week. NFL, you're starting to really get a better hold on pretenders versus contenders. So, yep. Yep. obviously. Tons of stuff for us to jump into. NBA, MLS playoffs. Dude, I didn't even talk about NBA tipping off, man. And my, my Sixers started off with yeah. a solid loss to the Celtics, Same man. Same here. Same here. Yeah, so I'm a, little, I'm a little bummed. Um, Lakers, though, I will say I'm... I think they're going to figure it out. I think wow. they're going to figure it out. Yeah, I know. It was a, it was a rough start. Um, but what I liked is good solid minutes from AD, good solid minutes from uh, LeBron. That's uh, it. That's it. You can stop after that. They, those two are great. We'll all agree. Yeah. After that, not so much. But I think Pat Beverly had at least an identity on defense. Whether or not sure. it worked good against the Warriors. I mean, yeah. come on. It's not like you guys came out and laid an egg against, you know, the, the Pistons or something like that. All right. Uh, but the Pistons are actually, I think, going to be a little more respectable this year. Yeah. than Pistons, Orlando. There's a lot of good teams. I, I we, You have a great NBA question that yeah. I, I'm going to get into and break down my vision okay. of what I see okay. for the Lakers. Okay. So, so we'll, 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 say, we'll save that for the prep. Exactly. We'll save that for the prep. But let's get into it. Because like we said, there's way too much stuff to talk about. So right off the top, I want to know what team's performance is your biggest surprise from the NFL's first third of the season we're a third of the way through this first 18 game kind of season setup what's your biggest surprise thus far I think through six games in the NFL you really get an understanding of what NFL teams are it's not a finished product and it's not there's still something to be learned and grow as a team to get better but through six games really gives you a good understanding uh, the top performance is New York football as a whole. And I'll, I'll put the Bills in there, too, for now. But you okay, got you're the, going to whole state here. The whole state, because you got the Jets, Giants, and Bills combined record of 14 and uh, 3. They're, they're off to, or 14 and 4, excuse me. They're off to a great start. Um, Bills, we kind of expected that. We knew they were going to be great. They've kind of lived up to the bill. They had a, a weird loss against your Dolphins. Dolphins, baby, but that's because my man Tua was, he was, he was still playing, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, uh, outside of that, the Bills are who we thought they were. But when you look at the Jets and the Giants, they have been trash for a decade. They have yeah. one playoff appearance between them in over a decade, and that was a quick <laughs> wild card loss by the Giants in 2016. Uh, Jets haven't made the postseason in 12 years, and they have. Has it even been 12? I thought it was more than 12 years. It, That's how bad the Jets have been. Yeah. Man. The Rex Ryan era, remember 20, yeah. 2009, 2010? Yeah. They got to back to back AFC Buff Championship. years and stuff like that. Yeah. It's yeah. been a long time, but they're 4 and 2. And some of their victories are off of pretty good teams. Packers in Lambeau, that's a good win. Your Dolphins kind of blowing them out in New I, York. As I say, no to it, no to it. And then we ended up with no Teddy after one play. Right. So it was basically with an unprepared third string back cover, right? So I got to defend my boys a little bit. But yeah, they drug us through the mud in that game, man. Wins are wins yeah. at this stage of the NFL. But then you look at the Giants, 5-1. and one, That's probably the biggest shocker in terms of record. A couple big wins against the Ravens. They win it late. Against the Packers, they win it late. They're showing that they every game that they would lo lose in the last couple years, they're finding a way to finally win those. 
looking at the Jets and their rookies, just Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, and Garrett Wilson, they they might have three grand slam picks in that Bro, first round. I love me some Sauce Gardner. I, I love me some I, Brees Hall. I loved, I loved, so I like Brees Hall a lot in college football. I watch yeah. a lot of college football. It's probably the most sport that I intake um, throughout the year um, from a consistency standpoint. So I knew Brees Hall well. I knew that he was, you know, built for the NFL. I yep. knew he would yeah. perform no matter where he went. Um, and Sauce Gardner, um, we can go back. I don't know what it was, episode 15 or 16, but we're talking about like pre-draft kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, one of the bump and run segments from the co-host that year was like, he knew that cornerback is my favorite position in the in the sport. So he asked me who I would take if I had to take somebody number one. And I mean, I was like hands down all over Sauce Gardner. To me, he screamed lockdown corner. So yeah. I can't argue with that fact. So close to having a pick six last week. Yeah. He, he's showing up as a as an elite cornerback probably in the next two to three years. We're going to be calling him either Sauce island yeah, or something we'll figure it out something yeah. along that hold the sauce or something <laughs> yeah, i don't know what they'll come up with but they'll figure out they'll figure out something so jets are looking great giants are looking great those have been the biggest surprise of teams that are actually contending if playoffs ended today they're in the playoffs like jets giants and obviously the bills new york football biggest surprises yeah. early on I actually read a segment. There was a segment uh, from Bill Barnwell about who is the third best team in the AFC, right? Because you got, obviously, like I said, the Bills and the Chiefs, and they lived up to their billing last week. It was a great game. Uh, but then it were like, the Ravens, the Dolphins, the Bengals, you read through all this, and then it was like Jets, you know, and then I I read through the article, and he had the most, like, sound reasoning for the Jets. Their defensive line is dominating up front. They got arguably one of the best secondaries behind them. Like you said, Sauce Gardner's already basically a vet out there, um, playing well on uh, hostile grounds like the frozen tundra, rolling around with a cheese head on after the game. Rubbing Uh, it in. Yeah, exactly. A second in the league in passes defended. Uh, They're getting after the quarterback. Quentin Williams is finally like, hey, this is why you drafted me number five overall. And then CJ Mosley is finally uh, actually cashing in on that contract away from the new car lot and yacht lot from <laughs> cashing in all that money. He's second in the league in uh, total tackles too. So, I mean, Robert Salah's got him playing ball. So I'm definitely surprised by that. Definitely surprised by that. Um, but I can't get over the fact that the Eagles are this dominant. So okay. to me, that's my biggest surprise. I, I love your take on New York football as much as I hate all of those teams that yeah, you mentioned, I, really, I except it. for the Giants. Um, you know, I, I can definitely understand where you're coming from, and it's difficult to argue that fact. But to me, the most surprising thing is how dominant the Eagles have been. They're the only undefeated team left. Right. And you start looking through their schedule, it's like, holy shit, watch out, 72 Dolphins on your 50-year anniversary, you know? I mean, it's way too early to say who's going to go undefeated. In the NFL, you can lose to anybody on, you know, any given Sunday, as as people like to say. Um but, yeah, I mean, the Eagles have been absolutely dominant. They can run it. They can throw it. Uh, now that they have a legit uh, threat in A.J. Brown, not that Devontae uh, Smith wasn't, but he needed that big body over the middle, somebody that can just open him up to the more unique routes that he's going to have to run in the NFL. Let's face it. Um, he's too he's too small-bodied to just kind of be your 120-run-every-route-catch kind of guy. Um, he's just not that, but now they have A.J. Brown, so they don't need that. They have always had great tight end play, um, but the thing that surprised me is Miles Sanders is like fourth in the league in rushing. I think he's got, yeah, he's got 400, 485 yards. He's in the top five. Darius Slay, to me, is playing like maybe one of the top corners, if not the yeah. top corner so far in the year, yeah. and he'll, he'll match up on everybody. I mean, he I think I said in an earlier episode how much he shut down like Justin Jefferson. Um 
who to me is one of the hardest guys to cover in this league right now. And uh, not only are they doing that, but they're they're just running the ball at a substantial clip, and they do it from all different angles. They remind me of like that year that Cam Newton took the Panthers to 15-1 and one yeah. because they said, hey, you're Cam Newton, and we're going to let you be Cam Newton. And they're saying, hey, you're Jalen Hurts, and we're going to let you be Jalen Hurts. I hope that it, I hope he has a long, prosperous career, um, but this year he's going to be damn hard to stop because he's built like a brick house. Ain't nothing happening to him this year. He's going to be here all year long, and uh, the, the Eagles are flying through uh, flying South Street so in far. Philly, you know? If, um, if you remember the last time we were on and I, we posed the question of fantasy, who would be the top two quarterbacks? Josh Allen was the easy one. The other one that I said was Jalen Hurts because yeah. he's in this offense right yeah. now. My only issue with the Eagles is their schedule hasn't been the toughest. Here, here are the teams they beat. Lions, obviously they're the Lions. Vikings, that's a good win. Then you have the Commanders, the Jaguars, the Cardinals, and then the game against the Cowboys still without Dak. It, it, it's not the a murderer's row of a lineup, but that you play whoever you're scheduled yeah, with. Yeah, you here's, all, yeah. Here's their next couple weeks. Steelers, Texans, Commanders, Colts. Those are all winnable. Easy. They're going to be 10-0. and 0. Like, we have to Easy. accept that. that yeah. That's a possibility. So I definitely hear you on the Eagles. Yeah, so definitely. Um, but like you said, First third of the season, you're not really sure. There's not too many finished products out there. Actually, there's probably none. Yeah. You know? So, who is the biggest pretender through the first third of the season? I want to take first crack at this because I'm going to pluck a feather out of your uh, your uh, surprised bird from uh, New York. And I'm going to go with the Giants, right? Okay. Okay? Five and one. You're like, how can they be a pretender? Five and one, that's preposterous. They haven't really played anybody either. Okay? You look at the NFC East, it's like, who gave them this strength of schedule? You look at the teams that the Cowboys have played, the Giants have played, and the Eagles have played. They're all trash. And then when you combine <laughs> them all together when they play each other, in a conference game, that's always been a toss-up, just like really any NFL divisional game comes down to be. So, you know, they haven't really played anybody, and with that being said, to me, the only thing they have that I'm going to worry about, especially if I'm a defense coordinator, is Saquon, Saquon Barkley, right? Saquon Barkley's legit. 616 rushing yards. He's smashing the league. He's got the league on fire. He's back. Um, he's showing you why he was picked so high and why he set the league on fire when he first got there. I hope to God he stays healthy because the league needs their star players in the league. Was he the number two overall pick? Number two overall pick. Just think about a running back As a going running number back. two. As That's a running back. Probably won't happen in any of the yeah. near future. Saquon, in, in I, NFL. and where did Derrick Henry get drafted? I feel like he was pretty high, too. Oh, no, you know. 20, who, in the yeah, 20s. Yeah, 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 he was in the 20s, so I got, I got confused there. The last one I can remember going high was. Uh, Najee uh, was in, I think, top. Najee was in the 15s and stuff, but uh, homeboy Todd from. Todd Gurley the, was 10th overall. Homeboy from the Bucks is higher. Uh, uh, Leonard Fournette was Leonard five. Leonard Fournette was like five. Yeah, yeah he was like top Zeke five. Zeke was four the Zeke year he four. came out. So that was like the end of like the running let's backs value the, the running backs. Yeah. But you look at him, honestly, to me, um, uh, the guy from the Bucks. why am I not? Leonard saying, Fournette. Leonard, Leonard Fournette. Fournette. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I mean, but when you watched him in in, uh, in college, he was like the closest thing I've seen to Herschel Walker for yeah. a long time. When, and then he's doing that in the SEC too. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that's legit defense you're running over. Um but to me, it's like he's actually paying better dividends now. When yeah. he first came in the league, I remember he's like, ah, he's a huge bust. Almost kind of the same way Zeke does, too. Like, they expect running backs to have this instant, like, gratification and instant payout, um, where it's really not that fair. But 
With that being said, Saquon Barkley's living up to his bill of goods. 616's legit threat, uh, but they're pulling out all these lucky last-minute wins, dude. Out of every single game they've been in, there's only one of them that they were not trailed or tied yeah. in the fourth quarter, and that was against the lowly Chicago Bears. So that's not saying much, okay? So that I think me, it says something, though. It says something that they, they have the ability to come back, even if you're trailing by 10 on, or Jeremy, whatever it is in the fourth. That's not sustainable. That probably is not, sustainable. not. Probably not sustainable, but it shows some kind of, some kind of grit that I this team has. I think what they have going for them is why they may end up not being quote unquote a full on pretender and missing the playoffs is that the NFC is so trash. Yeah. And they beat the Packers head to head. So they got a two game lead on another team that's going to maybe try to chase them down for a right. wild card spot. Um, so to me, even if the Packers are a better team than them, they still might be looking up at the Giants' ass when it comes to a playoff lineup. They um, still got two games against the Cowboys, to, or sorry, one game against the Cowboys, two games against the Eagles. So those yep. matchups and in the division is it are. One coming. against the Commanders? Did they beat the Commanders? They played them already, right? Uh, no. Possibly. No, they didn't. They don't, I don't think they played the Commanders yet. No, not yet. So yeah. that's two wins. And the Commanders, I mean, that is, talk, talking about a ship taking on water, the Commanders are not commanding a, a solid vessel right now. They might be better with Taylor Heineke. Yeah, they put the Heineke man back in there, and, uh, you know, we'll see what he can do. I like Taylor Heineke. He had a few good games, I remember, that year that he subbed in for whatever sorry quarterback. Um, think got he, well, last year was Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then the yeah. year he jumped in in the postseason game and played yeah, exactly, well against yeah, Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, against Tom Brady, but then everybody just wrote it off as, ah, but he was playing Tom Brady. So Heineke man's back in. But to me, uh, the one thing that I don't like is that Danny Jones only has 1,000 yards passing. Right. So Brian Dable being the quarterback whisperer and all this stuff, he's obviously not whispering the right lovely things into Daniel Jones's ear yet. Their leading receiver um, – I think it's Richie James, who uh, is a Bama, is a Bama product, but he only has 189 yards. The Dolphins have three individual performances that almost top that number in Crazy. just an individual wide receivers. And that's the Dolphins, right, who don't have good quarterbacks and can't air it out and things like that. So, I mean, that to me just doesn't seem like a sustainable recipe is that you're always coming from behind, but you can't throw the ball. That's just not set up for success. So I think the Giants are pretending us a little bit, and they're my pick through the first third. How about you, Jeremy? I mean, that's fair. How, how are the Giants winning? There's no Kenny Galladay. There's no Kadarius yeah. Tony. They have literally no receivers, no passing nope. game to be seen, and yet they're still finding ways. Brian so. Dable, uh, one thing I'll give him is he instantly fixed the culture, and yeah. I think that's the main thing a coach needs to do. So they're trending in the right direction, but I think they're still pretending more than trending towards the playoffs. All right. Uh, my biggest pretender, and we've seen this year after year, as you'll start to see with me, I always cheat the system. You always ask for one. I always find a way to bring two in there. I like that. Got to prep. Yeah. I'm bringing in two, and they're both from the AFC South. The Colts Ooh. and the Titans. A lot of pretenders down like, there. Like, every time we see them, Titans, number one seed last year, home field advantage throughout, eliminated in their first game. The Colts were, looked great at stages last year, looked good the year before with Phillip Rivers. We thought it was an upgrade last year with Carson Wentz. They have a chance to clinch the playoffs last year in the final game of the regular season get blown Jaguars. out. Blown out down in Duval. <laughs> so those two teams have shown year after year that the AFC South is not a great football division. Someone's got to win it. Yes, we get that. But the fact that those, and the crazy thing is, matchups this weekend, those are the only two teams with a five hundred above five hundred record that are facing each other. Crazy. Everyone else is either at five hundred or below it. This is the only matchup with both of them being the Colts above and the Titans. Yes. Which I cannot believe, man, because to me they have both played a terrible brand of football. And to me, this isn't a topic, but to me that's just the way the NFL has been trending right now. It's yeah. Like bad it's ugly. Football. It's ugly the first bad couple weeks. Football. Uh, but yeah, uh, Titans, Colts. So yeah, they're definitely pretending. I mean, I didn't notice they both had a winning record. Yeah, well, that's what, Colts are three. 
two and one, and the Colts literally should have lost their last two yeah. games. But here they are, and um, just to see, like, I don't have faith. One of them's going to win the division, likely. I don't have faith in either of them making any kind of noise yeah. after that. And I will give one honorable mention. That's to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. They are 5-1. and one. That's a great record. I just don't trust Kirk Cousins in primetime. I don't trust him in big games. You don't like that? I just, I don't like it. Sorry, Kurt. I don't. It just, I've seen your record in these big moments and big games. And yeah, definitely Monday Night up. Football. Monday Night yeah. Football plagues the plagues Kirk Cousins. How about um, Carson Wentz is 8-0 or something like that? Or 7-0 yeah, on stu- Thursday yeah, night? stupid. But speaking of Thursday Night Football, and we're recording this on a Thursday, and I hope everybody that's listening right now, when you're at home watching on Amazon Prime, you are getting something better than what's been coming out every Thursday Night Football because it's almost like if you play on Thursday Night Football this year, you are... Are cursed. You're not going to do shit. You're not going to score anything. You got a live update for me? I got I got breaking news. Breaking news. They have scored touchdowns They've in the first half. They've scored touchdowns? Multiple. With an I was going to say touchdowns. So we got, it's 14 to 12, uh, two minutes before the half as we speak, and the Saints are up. It looks like a two-point conversion coming from the Cardinals, but... Come on, Saints. Uh, I got you on the money line, you bums. For all you fantasy people that are going to be yeah. listening to this after the fact, let's see who's actually scored. Well, I got Kamara and Olave, so give me some news here, Jeremy. Give me some solid live breaking news. Uh... <laughs> I'm trying to pull it Saints up. Saints money right. lines looking good. We got good. Taysom Hill with a receiving uh, touchdown. Oh God, what and a waste of a stat. A 53-yarder to a backup wide receiver, not Kamara. Kamara's off 8 for 37. Decent start with carries. <sighs> Jesus, you got to be kidding me, though, with these random people getting Ooh, touchdowns. I got Eno Benjamin in there so far, 5 for 57. He popped a, a big rush early got on. A touchdown, too? I got no, Benjamin no touchdown on my bench. Looks like Kyle, who ran it in? Kyler? Oh, uh, Kelvin Ingram, back up. Anyways, back to the pod. yeah, back to the pod. Back, back to, to the, the pod. back to the podcast. Prep. Two fantasy guys yeah, getting distracted getting, like we're that. Living in fantasy land. Okay, and this is the end of topic one. This is kind of the Charlie portion of it. Right, so we talked about pretenders. Um, you got a lot of people showing feathers as not pretenders, right? We got uh, four different one-loss teams. We got the Texans, we got the Lions, we got the Panthers, and we got the Raiders. Who is the best one of that uh, gangly bunch down there in the one and uh, one and whatever land that they're at? Who you got? I think it's the team that we all watched during training camp that we got a little excited for, especially myself. And we learned one thing from their head coach is they have grit. They're grinders. They're going to fight. I'm going, obviously, with the Detroit Lions. They they started 1-4, but through going into week five, they were the highest-scoring team in the NFL. So that lets you know. Like, they could play. They're just Their defense has not been there. But offensively, they've played games without Amon Ross St. Brown, who's obviously their number one wide receiver. Yep. You still have Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama, rookie who hasn't played a snap. Oh, I forgot about him. He should be coming back in the next two to three weeks. I would know this. He's been on my IR spot. So Solid pickup, Coach. Look for him down in the second half of the season – on the opposite side of Amon Ra, like they have wide receiver talent there um, to make a Goff difference. Jared Goff is like top five in the league in yards per game, and I mean, he'll still throw pick sixes and lose you the game. Yeah, but, but he's playing. Yeah, he's a gunslinger. Uh, DeAndre Swift missed a couple games, so some of their star offensive players have been out, and they're still putting up points. I want to see when it all comes together. I still think that NFC North obviously is not great. The Bears are not looking good. Nope. I think Lions might beat the Packers at, at some point this year, and then they had a ten point lead against the Vikings in. Minnesota early on this year they blew it yeah. but they still showed that 
that they have the capability to get up on other teams. So I want to see uh, fully healthy after by Gino too. You know, yeah. I mean, Gino took it back to his days at West Virginia on him. You know, I mean, Gino's been great this Gino year. Gino looks let's, let's good, man. I like. I'm giving all the props to Gino Smith. I loved him in college. I thought he was a fun quarterback, and I thought he had a rough start to yeah. his career, getting broken jaw and all that other nonsense. Yeah, and stuff like that. So big ups to you, Gino, for sticking around and not just being a forgotten backup for your entire life. You were right. I was wrong. Last time after week one, we did a pod. You, I, I thought it was a joking question. Who would have a better record, uh, Russell Wilson and the Broncos or yes, Geno Smith in, yes. in Seattle? Obviously, Geno is cooking, and Seattle's looking a lot better. Russ looks broken. Russ and, looks rough, man. I saw it coming, dude. Oh, I saw it coming. A, that's bad. His, his, his type of play is not sustainable at an older age because yeah. he's always off script, right? He's never been an on script kind of quarterback. That's the way that he lives, and you never see those guys go over a decade. Russ has been in the league like 11 years. He's, he's not a, the size of Big Ben yeah, either that would exactly, do that. Exactly, exactly. He's got, he's, he's got a lot of tread off of his tires, and you forget, not only has he been in the league 11 years, but he was in college for like seven years. You know, he had a full yeah. career at NC State, and I felt a full career at Wisconsin. Yeah. So, I mean, he's definitely been beat up a little bit, and I always thought everybody that said the Broncos are just a quarterback away, I'm like, you guys are freaking crazy. Cortland Sutton is a bum, if you ask me. He's been a waste of a draft pick in every single fantasy season I've ever taken him in. And to me, Jerry Judy, it's like, what did you prove? To me, he was a reach. He was a guy that everybody was hoping would be the next Calvin Ridley or the next Amari Cooper. Just because you play wide receiver at Alabama does not mean you're going to be an instant surefire slam dunk in the league. How about that rookie draft class with with Judy, with Justin Jefferson, with CeeDee Lamb? I guess you got to throw in the first wide receiver, Henry Ruggs. Yeah. That was a pretty good group, and Judy is definitely not on the same par as CD and what Justin Jefferson yeah. has shown earlier. Honestly, the uh, honestly the Alabama guys are the ones coming up short. You know, Henry True. Ruggs obviously um, he fell on some hard times and uh, he made some poor decisions. But regardless, um, yeah, that was a stacked class. There's been a lot of stacked receiver classes, and obviously that's probably trending with the type of play calling we have in the league and all that stuff right now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with a different take though on those one win teams. I do love me the Lions. I really think DeAndre Swift getting back healthy is really gonna make them one of the best attacks in the game. I think right. their O line is a bunch of goons. I think they're maybe arguably the best O line in the league, even though they do let Golf get sacked. But that's always been Golf's problem because he holds on the fucking ball too long. He has no movement within the pocket. Yeah, I watched it as a Rams he's fan. Got no feel for the pocket. Exactly. No feel for the exactly. pocket. So that's his own problem. Um, so he's got to get that figured out. That is definitely not the O line's problem. But I'm going with the Raiders, right? They've hung tough this season against a lot of quality opponents. That was a tough loss for them to take on the Chiefs. Obviously, Devontae Adams showed his frustration on a poor passing cameraman in the tunnel. Uh, so that's unfortunate. But I love me some Devontae Adams. So I think he's going to get it figured out. Um, the thing I don't like is McDaniels is just a suspect coach. Yeah. Like, I just don't like him. They're giving up too many sacks, um, and that's just going to show you that it wasn't McDaniels, it was Tom Brady getting the ball out that quick. It's not McDaniels coming up with the surefire, this is where you're going with the ball. Tom Brady created that situation himself. They need to get back to running the football. Josh Jacobs is eating. That fourth and one play or whatever it was last last week when they didn't give Josh Jacobs the ball, yeah. it's like, what are you doing? Like, that just is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Raiders should have beat the Chiefs last week. If if Devontae's back toe touches, yeah, exactly. they're in field goal range. Carlson's going to make it. 
They definitely should have beat the Cardinals early on in the season. Oh, that game that they blew away. They exactly. even should have beat the Chargers in the first week of the right. season. Right, they had a chance so, down I mean, the stretch. That's what I'm saying. So they can easily be they can easily be a four win team right now. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm thinking that they're being a pretender as being one of the sorry ass teams in the conference every, or in the division. Everybody knew that the division was going to be tough. They've had quite a few tough divisional games already. Um, the Chargers and the Chiefs. I think they're both four and two. Yeah. Uh, so nobody's really just flat out put the pedal to the metal and left them in. The dust. Obviously, the Broncos. We're not even worried about those guys anymore. I not think the anymore. Raiders. I think the Raiders easily catch the Broncos, scoring their seven points a game or whatever. Not even seven because they don't score touchdowns. So six points a game <laughs> that they're averaging with with Russ cooking back there. Um, I think the Raiders end up making it at least interesting at the end of the year, and they don't end up being a top five draft pick like they're looking like right now. I think like an eight and nine team might make the playoffs this year. Like the NFL oh, yeah. has shown that it's a five hundred league, and totally eight and nine with a tiebreaker might get you in. Raiders aren't in. dead yet. Might get you in. Um, and with that being said, right, so week six was an interesting game, right? It marked the third, uh, interesting week. It marked the third of the season. What was your game of the week from week six? What drew the most interest? Looking back over it, it, it was the obvious one coming in, and I think it, it somewhat lived up to its billing, at least had a dramatic finish. I'm talking about the Chiefs and the Bills. Yep. But I'm talking about this matchup strictly because the AFC as a conference has been built over a our lifetime, the last two and a half, three decades, quarterback rivalry. You go all the way back to the late 90s. It was the early Colts with Manning and Tom Brady and the Patriots. And then that kind of bled into a little bit of Big Ben and the Steelers versus Tom Brady or Big Ben versus Peyton Manning. And then you get to the end of Manning's career, and then it's the Broncos and Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. One of those three quarterbacks, their team made the AFC Championship for, I believe, it's like a 20-year span. Yeah, it's so, insane. Watching those rivals over a, a two-plus decade run, and then it kind of ended with Brady versus Mahomes, and I think it was 2018, 2019. Yep. Now we obviously know Mahomes is at the top. Josh Allen's there. Like, oh, yeah. We've seen what he's done the last two, three years. He's done nothing this year to think that it's going to completely fall off. Like These two are going to be foundational, phenomenal quarterbacks for the next decade. And these two teams meeting each other every single year is something that we're going to see. So looking at this game specifically, like knowing that it was a defense battle, knowing they weren't throwing for 300, 450 yards and, and multiple touchdowns, but seeing Josh Allen get the ball with the game on the line at the end, his hurdle, that rush to, to get the first down and the it's hurdle. Great that should be like your Jumpman logo. Yep. Like if he has a branding, that should be there it, it right there. And then just the beautiful Are you dime. listening, Josh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Josh Allen, I think he's going to be fine with money over yeah. the next handful sure of years. Sure, he'll figure it out without us. But but, but that beautiful drop into Dawson Knox for the yeah. game winner with under a minute left, like that's what football's all about. That's good. These two guys going head-to-head -head in the playoffs, Mahomes got the best. Last two regular seasons, Josh Allen's got the best. Anyone could win it. We all remember last year's postseason game with 13 was, seconds crazy. left. That's crazy. That's crazy. So yeah. I'm excited about those two every time they, they link up. I'll give it to you. That game definitely didn't disappoint, and maybe it truly should be uh, the game of the week. One of the interesting things that I took from it was they needed Tyreek Hill at the end of that game. Right. They needed Tyreek Hill at the end of the game. They're you don't want to throw some fucking drag route to Juju Smith-Schuster. You want Tyreek Hill running a seam route and no Nobody being able to stick with him. They didn't have it. Mahomes will never admit that, you know, but they missed Tyreek Hill at the end of that game, and that's why they lost. Um, but the reason I'm not picking that game is because you kind of said it in, in your argument for why it is that game. Uh, Josh Allen wins a regular season. This game matters in the postseason. Right. They're going to meet again. Um, hopefully it's the AFC Championship, but you never know how the seeding falls. Um, so that's the game uh, the week when that game comes. To me, 
I was going to take this one with a grain of salt. I knew they'd both try to beat each other. I knew that it was probably risky to go with the over. I knew after the last uh, fireworks shenanigans that we saw of the terrible defense of Gabe Davis looking like Allen Iverson throwing crossovers at the free throw line out there on his on his seam routes. You know, I yeah, knew there yeah. wasn't going to be necessarily play like that anymore. Um but seriously, um, that was a great game. But I got to go the opposite way just because I knew that it was going to be a great game and I was just kind of spoiled by it. Um, to me, the one that was the most interesting and kind of delivered was the Bengals and the Saints. Um, I think wow, there are two teams. Okay. So I think there are two teams that are powerful teams, right? So here the Saints are again on Thursday night, hopefully finishing off the job against the Cardinals and are going to start to reemerge as a contender. And Jameis might come back. And that offense actually gets an identity because right now their big problem is they have no identity. They had one in that game a little bit. They let Andy Dalton throw a little bit and they let Taysom Hill do his random hybrid thing or whatever he's done his whole career. Um, and now they're feeding Alvin Kamara the rock. So yeah. that's where I think they need to give feed that man the ball. Let Alvin Kamara do Alvin Kamara things. Throw him the ball. Run with him. Um, and mainly justify why I picked him in the first round of fantasy football for me along the way. Quick update for you. What uh, do you got? Andy Dalton pick six right before the half. Oh, Cardinals up. Cardinals up 20 to 14. Oh, God, I can't pick a winner this freaking year. I'm quitting, Jeremy. I'm quitting. I'm quitting the habit. Rough times. Rough times this year in the NFL. It is, man. My God, I can't even predict anything. But moving on from that, then the Bengals, you kind of, to me, it drew interest. You know, Joey Burrow, Joe Scheiste coming back to New Orleans for the first time, um, rocking a Jamar Chase jersey, you know, and then what a better fitting way to end, but he throws Jamar Chase a five-yard hitch route, and he takes it 60 to the crib to win. I mean, that's cool. I mean, to me, it was to me it was exciting. It, it lived up to the billing. Um, they they there was uh, four different drives where Saints scored, Bengals scored, Saints scored, Bengals scored, Saints scored, Bengals scored, Saints scored. So that was the kind of the same way the Bills game played out. So it was definitely a toss up between those two. But since the fact that I know the Bills and the Chiefs are going to write their own destiny in the in the playoffs, I felt like it was too important different conference contenders vying for a very important win and they scrapped it out together and it was a pretty good game. So I'm going Saint, I'm going Saints Bengals last week as the best. I don't see the Saints as a potential playoff team but who knows the NFL is so or the NFC is so muddied down and but especially that division. Yeah. Yeah, th- so there's there's still an open door but Falcons are good. I'm right there with you on the Bengals. 3 and 3 now tied with the Ravens. That NFC the AFC North is not as upper echelon as we yeah. thought. Bengals are there, little Super Bowl hangover, but they have They're gonna get figured out. all the talent to figure it out yeah. and still be a contender this year. Agreed, agreed. Um, so now, living in the past, let's move on to the future. Um, what game in week seven is drawing you the most interest, right? I really didn't want to be a homer on this one. I really didn't. But to me, the, the Dolphins, Dolphins got? The Dolphins are playing the Steelers, yeah. and they're playing on Sunday night, right? So it's prime time. You got Tua coming back, right? The football the football world had uh, an unfortunate black eye on that injury he had, right? It was scary. It was it was that moment where you're watching it and you remember what these guys are really doing out there and the kind of gladiator shit that they're doing with their bodies and the stuff that they're putting on the line. Right now, they're selling a bit of their future for our present, you know? So, I yeah. mean, so you got to respect what, what they're doing. Um but Tua coming back excites me, even if I wasn't a Dolphins fan, right? The Dolphins had the number one uh, offense in the league when he was playing. They had the most average yards per play on per drive while Tua was playing. They had some incredible wins. If you look at who they started off and ended up 3-0, 
They beat the Patriots, who end up being a really good team. Like, you always know they're going to be. I mean, we got to respect Bill Belichick. He figures it out. He's got Bailey Zapp. He's got Bailey Zapp out there winning games. Great name before a quarterback. Great name. And if you don't know him about college football, Bailey Zapp is a straight-up gangster on the football field. He was a Western Kentucky hilltopper, and homeboy can spin it. All right? He's got all kinds of NCAA records. Bailey Zapp can throw the ball. Is Mac Jones up on the trade docket now? Not yet. They're supposing he's going to play. But I like like me some Bailey Zapp, man. I was riding him on the— over all the time back when I can actually win bets not like this year um but yeah I like Bailey Zapp so I'm not surprised I'm not surprised I'm 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 happy to see his name in in the papers on Sundays because he's one of those players that put everything on the line on Saturday and he's getting some due where it's due um but so they beat the Patriots who are a good team they beat the Ravens who are a good team and they beat the Bills uh who are a good team probably number one in power rankings right now only team to hold uh, Josh Allen to under six yards per pass attempt this season so the Dolphins are good. We got a lot of injuries in the secondary. Um, and with that being said, uh, the Steelers give up a healthy 285 yards passing per game to what should be the number one offense with my boy Tua, with the Tua man coming back uh, to to catch snaps. Uh, so he says he's he, he understands what happened and uh, he's in good moods. Uh, he's been cleared. So let the kid play football. Let him do what he does. And I think with that being said, the Dolphins having injuries in the secondary and the Steelers not having the greatest pass defense in the league right now, I think there's going to be some points scored too. Nice. George Pickens is still out there looking yep. for his first touchdown. So I think uh, Sunday night it's going to be a fun game to watch. And then I have a little bit of personal skin in the game with seeing how Tua does when he gets back. If the Dolphins win, go to four and three, obviously a little bit tougher of an AFC East now. Are you confident that they are a playoff team that we should all look at them with those first three games and through that prism? If we end up 4-3, and three, it's unfortunate that we had the backup quarterback scenario, right? Because we dropped one to the Jets, which I thought was a, a game we should win. And uh, who'd we lose to the, the week Bengals after? Bengals on the Thursday night when Bengals he initially got injured. Bengals on the Thursday night. And then uh, last week against the Vikings, right? So the yeah. Vikings, I knew were going to be a tough one. So I feel like we gave I feel like we gave two away that we could have won. I feel like we should have beat the Bengals that night. I feel like we should have beat the Bengals that night. Um so I feel like we gave two away. So that's never good in the NFL when you give two games that you should win away. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think four and three. I know we got a few games coming up against the Texans and the Lions and things winnable like that. Games. There's winnable games coming up, so uh, I like our chances. I like our chances. Um, I wish we had the Patriots and the Bills in South Beach in yeah. December. We got them up north, so that's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be cold. But I like our chances better at four and three than three and four, Jeremy. Absolutely, that that makes a lot of sense. Math wise, <laughs> checks out on it my checks end. Out. All right, <laughs> um, who you got? What's the game of the week? My perspective, looking at it, I look through the whole roster. My goodness, there's some, <laughs> some terrible football games. You, you, albeit you do have your Eagles on a bye. You have the five and one Vikings on a bye. You do have some good teams on a bye. <laughs> yeah. um, Rams, uh, I still consider them a good team. They're yeah. on a bye, but. Uh, I mentioned earlier, and it's kind of hilarious, the only matchup between two teams with a winning record, both of them, is the Titans and Colts, and I think both of them are pretenders. So Battle of the pretenders. Yeah, that gives you a little bit of understanding about this week as a layout, but I think it's the Niners and the Chiefs in Levi Stadium Sunday afternoon. A um, couple reasons. Rematch of Super Bowl 54. Obviously, the Niners were steamrolled through that season. They were up 10 in the fourth quarter. I looked at that box score, 21 to nothing. The Chiefs outscored the 49ers in that fourth quarter. That doesn't happen in many Super Bowls. A fourth quarter, 21 nothing. Mahomes obviously wins his lone Super Bowl right now, and you really never know. Like, look at Aaron Rodgers early on. He got to an early Super Bowl, won it, hasn't been back since. Mahomes went back, but then he got blown out by that Bucks team. Like, you never yep. quite know yep. with these things. So, a rematch of that, but then looking at both these teams coming off a loss, Niners losing in 
hot Atlanta last week to the Falcons. The dirty Birds are back, baby. The Falcons look pretty exciting, pretty good. I like good. the Falcons. Like, I like their brand of football, why not? man. Yeah. I like their brand of football. They have an identity. They play rough and tough defense, and they run the ball. And then Chiefs coming off, obviously, the Bills loss. We already uh, alluded to that a little bit. I'm looking to see if the 49ers could really take hold of this NFC West. I'm a Rams fan, and I'll admit our season's probably done because our O-line is in shambles. We had another injury with Joe Noteboom, the left tackle, yeah. torn Achilles out for the year. That's a rough injury, man. Fourth and fifth and eighth string offensive linemen coming in yeah. for him, and Matt Stafford just does not have the time. He doesn't uh, look right to begin with, yeah. too. He's just not the same old Matty Stafford to me. Exactly. He looks like he did on the Lions on a yeah. couple of those injury-plagued years, but yeah. Seattle, I don't really look at them as a contender. Cardinals, they're not great. We'll see what happens with DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. but Niners with win healthy, and I'm saying Joey, not Joey Bosa, um, uh, the other Bosa, Nick, uh, Bosa. Nick Bosa, if, if George Kittle is healthy, if everyone is healthy on their team, including Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, this team has proven over a four-year span they are a Super Bowl contender when Every all year. of those pieces Every are there. Year. So, and it doesn't even matter if Elijah Mitchell or what they have at running back. You could plug in Jeff Wilson. He'll run off. Plug in whoever you want. Yeah, exactly. So, I think the Niners have an all-around team. And if they could, at home, hold the Chiefs and come away victorious and take a lead in the NFC West, it's really going to set them up for the second half of the year. So, I'm excited about that. And I'll I'll just plug in another one. As you see, I always like to do two. Giants and Jags. One, we want to see. That was my other prep. That's funny. I got three things prepped. I got (laughs) Miami Pitt, Jags and Giants, and then Niners and Chiefs. Oh, that's we wavelengths. We're, wavelengths, we're thinking the bro, same wavelengths. here. So then we can each kind of shed light on the the Giants and Jags. I think what you said earlier about the Giants, they're five and one. Can they really go to six and one? Yeah. Can they be that team? We're like, you know what? Giants are an actual good team. So that's it's a all, tough road game down there in Jacksonville. They're a good course, team. They're a good team. Jags, I thought were a good team. They started two and one. They blew out the Chargers in week three. I was like, okay, the Jags are going to be there. They've just lost three in a row. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they lost last week. Two hundred and fifty rush yards. Trevor Lawrence was twenty of twenty two, yeah. and they end up losing to the Colts. I know. So I, know. I think the Jags need this. If they go two and five, that's it. They're, they're done. Yeah, send it in. If they go three, if they end up after the end of this and they're three and four, they have a plus twenty two point differential. In the AFC South, which leads the AFC South in point differential. You look at the Colts, who I said are a pretender, minus 22. You look at the Titans, who I said are a pretender, minus 18. So that's a big discrepancy. Those are good stats. Yeah, that's a big discrepancy to know. Like, Obviously, it's a small sample size of six games. Mm-hmm. I think the Jaguars are the best team in the AFC South. I think they have a shot to win the, the division. Starts this week. If they upset the Giants, it really gets yeah. them moving. Yeah, and I don't really know how much it would be. Uh, I don't even know how much of a of a upset it would be. I literally really did very minor prep. Uh, I just put Jags Giants. Interesting, <laughs> but could be a snooze fest on offense because it's like yeah. you got Danny Dimes going up against Trevor Lawrence, two quarterbacks um, that were supposed to be uh, legit, and they just haven't really found their footing. Trevor Lawrence just he makes a lot of dumbass mistakes so far this so year, many which, interceptions, are, which are weird, and he didn't do that in the ACC, which is a conference that has respect college defenses you know so I thought that he would at least have that kind of stuff figured out which he hasn't really dialed in yet um you know but that just goes to show you college doesn't always transfer well to NFL but I still love me some college football nonetheless and I'm always a big proprietor of you get what conference you draft and uh so I always like SEC players I always like ACC players I know there's the one-offs like the great Bailey Zapp that come from the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers um but Hilltoppers ain't going to be in the playoffs this year, Jeremy. I want to know who you think will be in the college football playoffs at the end of the year. This is going to be the press coverage sports official first way too early college football playoff rankings. Give me your top four. 
This is a loaded question, and it's damn near impossible to come up with four because they're going to play actual exactly. games that's going to determine why I love it. it. We get to predict that right now. Exactly. So we're basically predicting games that are going to happen in two weeks and three weeks and five weeks from 100%. now that are going to determine this. So and we're going to be 100% correct. I tried to look at it, and I, I played the, the law of average, and especially if you look at the SEC and how the conferences are lined up, knowing if a team doesn't make the SEC championship, they're probably not going to get there. So Tennessee has to still beat Georgia to even be considered in it's the final happen. four. It's going to happen. I I mean, great game last week. Great college football game. Great atmosphere. That's what I love about college football. They took football. the goalposts and threw them in the Tennessee River. I seen it just going, and it was like a, a crowd surfing. Someone yeah. had a concert, and it's the goalposts just moving on. But loved watching the fans rush the field. Yeah. It's a great game, though, too. Yeah, back and forth, back and forth. Missed field goal with 15 seconds left. Tennessee, two, maybe three quick plays to get yeah. into field goal range, yeah. and your kicker with brass stones underneath. Seriously. To, I think the ball got tipped and still just and had enough. And still made it in. I mean, talk ball. about putting a boot into it, yeah. man. He, he, if you're going to kick the ball to win it, kick the damn ball to absolutely, win it. And he absolutely. Kicked it. He kicked it. So, yeah, that was a great game. And I just, one last thing before you continue on your take. Um, yeah, I was texting my buddy. Um, he's been a co-host on the show before, too. And uh, we were just saying, like, as long as Tennessee doesn't have to play from behind, and then they gave up that uh, pick six or that yeah. fumble six, whatever it was, fumble, it was, fumble six, and uh, they got down, and I was like, Damn, there it is. That's I thought it. The same. And dude, Tennessee showed some backbone, man. Yeah. And they were like, nah, I'm good. I'm about to drop a 50 yard <laughs> bomb on you to get back in it. But continue. Yeah, that was beautiful to see. So, um, unfortunately, I won't have Tennessee in my top four after giving them all that praise. But I think the obvious one, we just got to start with Georgia. Still undefeated, still number one, still defending champ. Like they are battle tested. They have proven it. They've been in the final four multiple years. I think the the people voting in the committee understand the value of having Georgia in there. They're okay. still going to have to prove it. They're going to have to beat Tennessee and they're going to have to either be undefeated going into the SEC championship or win that SEC championship still. So they're in there. I think it comes down to Ohio State, Michigan and that matchup at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. You know how I felt about We've Michigan. We talked about this, as I say, I think on the <laughs> First time you're yeah. on press cover sports, we got into a, a, a pretty good debate about that. But I'm still a Michigan fan, and I'm okay. still rooting for Michigan. Right. I'm still right. a hardball guy. I have Ohio State going, uh, winning that game likely, and then going to the Final Four. I think that's why I like you, Jeremy. You're a man that, th- that that understands. Okay, you don't think from the fan heart when you're on the press coverage. You right. think from the analysis. Heart. Exactly. So I, like I think that. quarterback like play is the big difference in that matchup. Okay. Like so C. you got Georgia one, Ohio State two. Right. C.J. Okay. Stroud. He probably going to be the number one pick. And on fire. He'll he'll blow out whoever Michigan puts out there at quarterback. So inevitably, Ohio State will probably go undefeated. Maybe one loss, but they're getting in to the Final. For. And then I hate putting him in there, but just since the ACC is so bad, Clemson's probably going to run the table, probably going to go undefeated, probably going to win an ACC championship. Every year they did that before under Dabo, guess where it ended up? In the college football playoff or in the BCS national championship. So yeah. those are the top three, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, and then we get mm-hmm. interesting. So you still have Bama with an outside shot. If they win out, uh, let's say they win the SEC East and they go to the or SEC West, I think mm-hmm. they're in, but and then they go to the championship and battle Georgia. If they win out and win that matchup, then they might oh, be the number one seed. Exactly. A one loss Alabama, That's we've seen them Bama do it before. Gets it. Yeah. And the committee voting knows that. So they have an opportunity. Not who I'm picking. Um Tennessee has an opportunity. They could beat Georgia. They could go to the SEC championship, maybe even lose another game and be a one-loss SEC champion. Tennessee could easily get in there. Not necessarily who I'm picking either. And then it comes down to my love for the Pac-12, formerly Pac-10, 
the UCLA Bruins or the USC Trojans? UCLA, big, big matchup this weekend against Oregon. That's a 12-30 kick in Autzen Stadium. If they're able to go to Autzen, beat the number 10 team in the nation, go to 7-0 and after that. Ducks are playing ball, too. Ducks are good. Ducks have got blown out in the first game, and they've been great ever since. Bo Nix, baby. So, who knows? It could be a one-loss Oregon team with their only loss being to Georgia, but if UCLA... So, you think a one-loss Pac-12 team can make the playoff? <sighs> Why not? That sounds like blasphemy. I think, here's the thing, I think USC, that's who the dark horse is. Obviously, tough, tough loss at Utah, but that's a... Lincoln-Riley move. It's a Lincoln-Riley game for sure. But last second, a two-point conversion gets gone, uh, gets converted against them. They lose by one against a raucous crowd in Utah. Yep. 11th team in the nation at the yeah. time. So, understandable. If they win out and if USC beats UCLA in their matchup and then wins the Pac-12 championship and has one loss against the number 11 team by one point in the last seconds of the game, like, we've seen SEC schools get into the, the Final Four with that. I think all say, three of those need, teams. If, if, if that's going to happen, if we're going to get a one-loss Pac-12 team, that tells me there needs to be turmoil down the stretch of the SEC, which is totally possible. There's so SEC's many good teams. not that great this year. Like, But, they're, but they are, though. Ole Miss is good, and you have the heavyweights in Tennessee, Georgia, yeah. and Alabama. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky? So, are we... Yeah. I, I I take all that. So what's so who's your fourth? I guess just nail it down to somebody for shits and giggles. I want to see how this weekend turns out. My rooting interest, and I went to the game last week at the Rose Bowl, first ever US UCLA game at the Rose Bowl against Utah. They beat them. I'm going with Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins to run the table and make a miraculous appearance. You went to that game? Yeah. Very cool. Very it was cool. awesome. It yeah. was. I've been thinking about going to the UCLA USC game this year. Tickets? No, well, tickets for that one very expensive. Couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Tickets for uh, Utah. Ten rows from the field in the end zone, uh, not bad at all. Not no more though, man. I looked yeah. up the Arizona freaking tickets, dude. The Arizona oh, tickets are like hundred and sixty bucks. Shout for out freaking Arizona tickets, man. That's you know when you win in LA, tickets are gonna skyrocket. But you know what? You buy those tickets today, and they lose to Oregon next week. That ticket's fucking worthless. Throw yeah, it exactly, in the trash. Exactly. <laughs> so. But shout out to Dorian Thompson Robinson. Seriously, uh, coming been, through, baby. Been at UCLA for eight years now. Yeah, it seems, it for, seems like forever, it. but. All-time leader in passing touchdowns from a dual-threat, mostly running quarterback. That's just cool to it see. It says a lot, and there's been some decent UCLA quarterbacks, too. And yeah, you even a couple think about Hall like of Brent, Famers. Think, I mean, like, even like when you don't think about that, you just think about the college guys. Like, Brent Hundley had yeah. a really good career, you know? Um, so, yeah, shout-out to DTR for that. And it's funny because when he first started as a freshman, I remember watching, like, the first game I ever watched Dorian thompson Robinson. and he looked terrified out there. And yeah. I was watching him with my homie, Justin. So, shout-out to you, Justin, for coming up with it. And uh, he was like, <laughs> DTR, down to run he is running every single play like he was terrified to throw the ball he kind of um, looked like that last year yeah. even in certain yeah. games but well, i mean shout out to his dad right dad yeah. great college uh, quarterback michael robinson ends up being a freaking fullback in the nfl and having a terrific year i uh, yeah. mean career as a fullback so it goes to show you the bloodline of the school man i think um, he's matured and he's at this stage to really yeah. take Take the, the and you jack USC. my you jack my prep, dude. You jack my prep a little bit. All right, I'll start at four and I'll trickle my way back down and kind of get how they get there. But I'm going with I'm going with the fighting Chip Kelly's too in UCLA. Ooh, but to me, to me, the main thing they got to do is they got to beat Oregon, right? Yeah. They got to beat Oregon and it's at Oregon, and then you can't fall asleep on SC after that, but they won't, right, because it's that rivalry game. They're going to want to beat SC way more than they want to beat Oregon this week, so they got to beat Oregon. Cannot fall asleep on these guys. I thought Oregon was trash after Georgia freaking swept them under the rug, but they came out... And they handled a really good BYU team at home. Um, so they're going to be ready to play. They're going to be tough to beat. They're going to be tough to 
be. And now the caveat before I get into this more, though, um, is there's another game happening this week that's going to be very important to um, this topic. Is Clemson playing Syracuse. Yeah, 16 Syracuse. I think still undefeated. Still undefeated, but they have no road test. The only person they played on the road is like Furman. That's a college? Yeah. That sounds exactly. like a corporate office or and something like a law firm. they are hard to beat at the Carrier Dome. So when you got five of your first six games at the Carrier Dome, it's tough. But they play ball, man. They yeah. play ball, and they beat a damn good NC State team last week, but NC State had a backup quarterback too. So uh, there's a lot of asterisks that you could put on the undefeated uh, Orange men right now, but that's going to be a tough game for Clemson. Um, I think they win. So I'm putting an undefeated Clemson. At number five, and an okay. undefeated UCLA team at number four. Because you look Love at the it. good teams in the ACC, who the hell do they got? Pac 12 is better. Who the hell do right? they got? And you know what, College Football Committee, if you think it's more of a fucking pulse raiser to have freaking Clemson in the playoffs again, Fuck that with better lack of a term. Put UCLA in there, damn it. If they're undefeated and you pick Clemson over UCLA, that's just blasphemy. That would mean that they beat Washington, who's a damn good team that's beat Big Ten teams. They beat a damn good Utah team yep, that just yep. beat USC. Then they beat that same USC team. And then, Oregon this week, yeah, too. Then they beat Oregon on the road. I mean, that would be absolutely bonkers for them to pick a Clemson team that beats up on a team like an undefeated Syracuse or uh, Wake Forest who uh, barely got their star quarterback back in time and Wake Forest should have won that fucking game too yeah yeah yeah, so so yeah so to me Clemson is out UCLA at number four love it I should have did that okay so that's that's where I'm at Um, and then I got Bama at number three so they win out this is one loss but here's my here's my one asterisk for this. They are interchangeable with Ole Miss. So if they lose to Ole Miss, Ole Miss is in that spot. If they beat Ole Miss, then uh, Bama's in that spot, right? Fair. And, and then they're gonna have to then they're gonna have to play in the SEC championship game. Uh, number two, I got Ohio State. CJ Shroud is just too much this year. Uh, Twenty four touchdowns, three picks, ninety four point four QBR, um, and they're averaging wins in the Big Ten by thirty one. Yeah. Michigan just hasn't looked as impressive. They look good, don't get me wrong. But Penn let, State, it's a yeah, big win this past weekend. They actually handled Penn State pretty good, but Penn State hasn't beat a top uh, five team since fucking I don't know before the whole Joe Paterno scandal. That's what I was gonna you say. Know, it's been a while. It's been a while. All right, so. Yeah. Um, um, and then uh, they just they just look more down to earth when they play Big Ten opponents. They handled Penn State pretty good, but Penn State was up seventeen something at, yeah. at one point in time in that game. Okay, um, but they they let Maryland hang around. They let a freaking terrible Iowa team score twenty one points somehow. I feel like freaking Pacifica High could hold Iowa to under twenty one points this year. Damn, um, rough stretch. Yeah, so I was I was not that impressive. Um, but Ohio State uh, to me beats Michigan. They got them at home, and on top of that, Michigan has an incredibly hard physical game right before Ohio State against Illinois. Illinois is playing ball this year. Don't be surprised if they catch Michigan off guard before they even play Ohio State because I'm telling you right now, the best running back in the land resides in Illinois. Chase Brown is an absolute goon with the ball in his hand and Brett Bielema likes to feed the beast. Yeah. Um, so I love Illinois and I can't wait to watch that game. That is going to be a fun slug them out, drop them out game and then they got to go on the road to Ohio State. That's a tough task. For sure. Does Illinois play Ohio State this year? Uh, They do not. 
Okay, so, so that's a little bit easier for Ohio yeah, State's exactly. path. And I think the Illinois Illinois would struggle with uh, Ohio State just being such a quick strike offense. If they get two quick strikes, then all of a sudden maybe they don't just pound Chase Brown anymore, you know? Yeah. And then that throws you off your game. And obviously that could be same, said the same with Michigan style of offense, uh, but I just feel like that's a tough draw for Michigan to have to play Illinois right before Ohio State, where maybe when they set the schedule before this year or whatever, yeah. they thought it wasn't going to be the case, but Illinois is playing ball in Champaign this year. It ain't no it ain't no you don't just get to strut through there with your feathers out this year um very nice and then number one georgia they won't do it mandatory but they will definitely volunteer tennessee baby rocky top all right i called it in my hot take video i'm sticking with my hot take i said they're gonna beat alabama and they're gonna wait two weeks and then they're gonna beat georgia it's happening they're going to the green hedges down in athens they're gonna handle business stetson Bennon, get your walk-on ass ready hendon hooker's coming he's an eight-year senior and he's playing he's playing like a heisman this year okay they're running the ball they answered the bell honestly if they came out and whooped Alabama, I would have less confidence. But the fact that they went toe-to-toe with Alabama, like Bryce Young looked like Bryce Young. They were throwing the ball. Yeah, they were trying to point. score. They beat Alabama. They beat Alabama last week. So there was no there was no asterisk next to that. So I got them beating Georgia and then beating Alabama or Ole Miss again in the championship game, and that's where it's going to get weird. Like, if, if Alabama loses a second game, to Tennessee, do you keep them at number three, or do you slide Georgia in with one loss? Or if Ole Miss beats Alabama but then only has one loss against Tennessee, do you keep them in? And that's where it's going to get weird for the committee, but that's what they'll have to figure out. So I'm going Tennessee, Ohio State, Alabama, UCLA. Beautiful. We're, we're symbiotic in a couple of those, but Tennessee, he, they have UT Martin this week. That's that's a win, right? And then it really, it's it, you have a Kentucky matchup, which will be a little tough. Ah, that one's at home. They lost to South Carolina. Didn't they have a one-game season. It's at Georgia, yeah. uh, Saturday, November 5th. If they win that, they finish up with Vanderbilt. Like, yeah. It's coming down to that Georgia game. They're going to win it. If they win it, you're you're a genius. You got one right this They're year. Gonna win Congrats. Hey, but I ain't hitting bets, but at least I'm hitting <laughs> hot takes, baby. Hell, you were right with Geno over over Russ Wilson. He's not no. cooking. He's he's no. cooking with a little broken stove. No. But no. Um, I did want to give you one other update and a quick derailment. Remember how right before halftime I said Andy Dalton threw a pick six? Uh-huh. Um, of course, Saints, after, they, after the pick six, they get the ball back under a minute. Another pick six. Back-to-back pick sixes. Oh, under two minutes. 28 to Jesus. 14 Cardinals. Damn you, Jeremy. That's and, terrible news. And just I, I kind of look like Andy Dalton, I guess. Thank God okay. I only bet $10. All right. Uh, great Continuing stuff. Continuing on. All yep. right. College football, NFL, there's more to go. MLB playoffs, full swing, Jeremy. I want to know what the remaining teams left in the MLB playoffs. Obviously, the Dodgers gave you a gut punch, just like my Mets gave me a shot to the gonads. Um... We want to know who the best ideal World Series matchup would be and why. I'll take this one quick. Um, there's not much statistical uh, backing on this kind of stuff. Um, I'm just going Yankees-Padres. All right, and I take the Padres, and I'm picking them to beat them in a sweep. Um, Padres have no World Series championships. Let's get them one, right? Why not? They deserve one down there, even though they got some fair-weather-ass fans down there. 100%. Let's give, let's give the Padres a World Series championship, but let's let them rip it out of the teeth of the Yankees, who are 27 damn championships deep, and they're 27-13, and, and all those 13 mm-hmm. 
losses right on the brink of a championship is even better than them not making the playoffs. So I'd love seeing them lose right there. Um, but both teams, honestly, though, from a entertainment standpoint, even if I watch a game, um, would be that they have a consistent offense going into it. Um, and when you look at it, they got uh, face value with star power. You got uh, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, and then you got Judge and Stanton. And then you got the true East Coast, West Coast going from New York to California. So that's the best thing I can come up with the pitiful group of MLB teams left. And I'll just leave it at that. I, I, we got to start this off by, uh, you know, pouring one out to our dead teams, the, uh, the, the Mets, dead 100 the winners. Dodgers. The, All the 100 winners, dude. I'm just so disappointed, sad. Baseball postseason has me questioning things, looking up at the sky, saying, why? Why do we win yeah. 111 games yeah. and then it's four games sample size and we're done? Season's I just say over. win whatever you need to get in and that's it. <sighs> yeah. Why even waste our freaking time? So sad for my Dodgers loss. Terrible. Still hurts, but we're going to act like that's not really existent here. So looking at what the best potential matchup is now, I think you have to look at market size. And you're looking at Philadelphia and New York. Those are the biggest markets. Those are going to draw the best. That's what MLB would want. Yep. It's a rematch of the 2009 World Series in which uh, the last time the Yankees won a World Series. Um, But when you look at it, One thing you said, star power, but I'm looking at it slightly different. The star power of Aaron Judge versus Bryce Harper. American-born baseball players. I know it shouldn't make a difference, but that definitely does. It does, unfortunately. But For the American appeal, like both of those guys are in commercials. Subway has them, multiple different sponsorships. Like those are faces that people are, like I think we had this question, uh, the question last time around of does your wife know so-and-so? Like my wife knows who Aaron Judge is, and she's aware of who Bryce Harper is. He's an attractive man. I I guess you could say that. He's he's been around. That's an accurate depiction of what my wife knows about baseball, too. Yeah, if they're attractive. Yeah, that's great. Great. That's about it. <laughs> uh, but seeing those two teams, I, I just think the Padres, they have a fair weather fan. Yes, it looks nice. Yes, everything is always sunny in San Diego outside of game four when it pours rain and the Dodgers yeah. lose. Um, but I, I'm not a fan of Manny Machado. He's not a hus- he- Because you're a Dodgers fan, though, right? Me being a Mets fan that has no ties to the Orioles, Dodgers, or Padres, Manny Machado may be, Manny Machado may be a bit of a dick, but the guy <laughs> plays ball, man. I think he's the best third baseman in all of baseball. Other than Nolan Arenado, I'll continue on. I'm not a fan of uh, uh, Juan Soto. He was flirting with us and left us. <laughs> and I'm damn sure not a fan of Jake Cronenworth, who hit clutch hit after clutch hit and ended our season. This is the Dodger tainted take. I take I'm it. not a fan of you, Darvish. You could assume why. <laughs> I can keep going, but love San Diego, the city. Just you know, not right now. Yeah. Not with the Padres. And then we haven't mentioned it, but. The Houston Astros. Like, yeah. everyone in America hates Houston Forget Astros. Them. Forget them. Take them out with the trash. The best matchup would be the Phillies with their star power of Bryce Harper and Schwarber going against the Yankees and their star power of Giancarlo, formerly Mike Stanton of L.A., and uh, Aaron Judge. And you could just you could just call it the battle of the 95. You know, you could just take the 95 or jump on the Jersey Turnpike and get yourself the yeah, either stadium. So, um, yeah, I could see it anyway, either too. And uh, my dad, rest in peace. You know, he's a huge Phillies fan, even though I can't stand them. Um, so You're you from know, Philadelphia, right? Uh, area, Trenton, New Jersey. So, like, 35, 40-minute ride. So Never I were a Philly a, fan for you? Uh, Sixers fan. Huge Sixers fan. So, that's what I said at the beginning. And uh, it's going to be a great segue to our next take. Um, I, root for, I root for the Sixers. Um, but my dad, yeah, he was he's diehard Eagles, Phillies, and Sixers. It seems to be rubbing off this year good on the Sixers. Yeah. I mean, on the Phillies and the Eagles. So, come on, Dad. Spread that love to the Sixers, too. Um, so, at least I can root for that championship with a full heart behind it. I mean, imagine the uh, Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series 
in a Sunday evening where you have the Eagles undefeated at 8-0, last undefeated team, both playing in Philadelphia that day. It'd be crazy. South that's Street, beautiful. South Street would be a fucking madhouse, dude. I could imagine. Fucking madhouse. You wouldn't want to walk down there in a Cowboys jersey. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I could, I could believe damn, that. I could believe that. Sure. That's for damn sure. But with that being said, you could definitely walk around South Street with a Sixers jersey on any day of the week. Um, so I want to know, NBA season, it tipped off. Um, you know, we could take whatever we saw through the first maybe game, maybe game and a half, whatever your team's played so far with a grain of salt. But there's tons of storylines going on into this season from the Celtics head coaching scandals to players that were injured all last year or out of the mix coming into the mix. Um, teams desperate to make a run. Teams due to make a run. Uh, what's your headline, Jeremy? What is drawing you into this NBA season as we tip it off? I, I posed this question today with my coworkers. We, we talk basketball every single day, very knowledgeable people. Okay. Good. And we had, we tossed it around. Like what is the biggest one from either a national perspective? I think I'll give you two small ones. And then the one where I really want to focus on the, the small ones are where are these young superstars in the league who takes that next upper echelon step. Yeah. I'm talking about Luca, John ja Morant, even Zion, seeing him back out there. He is going to be a force that has to be reckoned with, but all these Young 20s, mid-20s, how they continue on in a superstar trajectory. Um, what teams are going to tank properly and who's going to land Victor Webanyama? Like, he is nasty to watch. Seven foot four. Are you all in on him? You think uh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I was, I, he looks good. I went down a wormhole maybe two, three months ago. Watching uh, his YouTube, highlights, yeah. And I text my entire group chat. I was like, guys, have you seen his highlights yet? Like, this isn't it's normal nuts. basketball. And he's playing professional basketball. A lot of people used to take that with a grain of salt, but that's what Luca no. was doing before the NBA. Completely different and he's now. ready to go. Yeah, yeah. and his size, his skill set, his defensive prowess around the rim, he is like a prospect that we have never seen before. I agree. And it's just... Where is he going to land? And he's Giannis plus a couple inches plus his smooth jumper like KD. It's yeah, unbelievable. I was just saying, he's like a mix of Giannis plus KD with more height. Yeah. <laughs> so what the Just hell listen that? to that. That's what a scary that? thought. What is that? Like, so where does Victor Wimbenyama end up? That That's like a, a subcategory. But yeah. for me and my perspective, it's all about how the Lakers manage this Russell Westbrook trade and and inevitably the 2027-2029 draft picks, how they actually do a final trade for it this year. And I'll make it clear, like anyone that's a Laker fan that's saying, oh, just trade those picks, get get Buddy Hill, get Miles Turner in here, let's just get better now. You have to understand, these are the last two pieces of value that the Lakers have to yeah. trade for the entire decade. And they're both old and... Uh Broken down at times. Yeah, those two from Indiana. Yeah, like I, I don't want to go all in for something that's not going to make a huge difference. And it, it's very concerning. Oh, you're talking about the draft picks. I'm talking about the draft picks. Like we have to be. Whatever. I know you're talking about AD and LeBron. Like honestly, those are your most valuable assets on the team, and they're aging. Exactly. So pretty, we we have no quickly. young talent. We yeah. we can't. If we trade them, you might get something back. It, if you trade them, you're going to be in the gutter, and you have no draft picks because you already traded them for AD and Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So those two pieces, and I'll be clear, it's not about the actual players that the Lakers select with those pieces and how they perform in 2030, 2032. It's about those being your last two bargaining chips to make any type of trade yep. to make your roster better. So that's what scares me because this is our entire decade, Laker fans. If if they If the front office messes up and just gets something to maybe make us slightly better, but then we're still not good enough. The entire decade's gone. You have no young players that are yep. ascending to superstar level. You have no draft picks to trade. You might have cap space, but that's that's and only no goes so far. no to come to the Lakers, though. No Here. one gives a shit. If you want to be, everybody's like, oh, but everybody wants to be in L.A. You want to be in L.A., you could play in fucking Cleveland and just live in L.A. He, 
you, true. That's you can, what people do now. You can play in any any market now and still make a fortune and still be very wide known, especially with social media. But there, when you say no one wants to play for Lakers, I'll, I'll say the two names that have been linked to the Lakers that, as sad as it sounds, are literally our only hope to get back to some type of relevance in the near future. At the end of this year, it's very ironic that the Warriors um, gave the bag to Andrew Wiggins, gave the bag to Jordan yeah, Poole. Draymond. Did right? not extend Draymond. No. I'm not saying Draymond's the difference maker, but he's been linked to the Lakers. Stephon, or, uh, Stephen A. Smith said that that's his goal at the end of this year to link up. Yeah, come with Lakers, yeah. And who was the other guy from the offseason who's disgruntled in Brooklyn, who wants to play point? Kyrie Irving and Draymond Green. That's our future Laker fans. You have Kyrie at the point, LeBron at the three. You have Draymond at the yeah. four with Anthony Davis. That's a one-year go may, for it. That may age well with LeBron taking a step back and letting Draymond or Kyrie be more of the ball handler and him trying Trying to figure off out a way. Ball, if beautiful. anybody can play off the ball, you know, and just pick it up on a snap, it's going to be LeBron. Um, but to me, is what I meant is like if you give up those two draft picks and you get Draymond Green and Kyrie Irving, they don't move the needle to get people down the line like LeBron does. So when LeBron hangs them up, like LeBron is the draw to LA right now. Like if LeBron's not on that team, do Draymond and Kyrie even want to go to LA? Well, I don't think AD's so. AD still under contract. So what does Kyrie and AD look like as as late 20-somethings, early well, AD 30s? AD never plays no more, man. AD needs to show me something outside of the bubble. Here's okay? a... AD needs to show me something outside of the bubble. I love me Anthony Davis. I'm a big college basketball fan as well. He was one of my favorite, probably all-time basketball players, period. I love Anthony Davis, but the last five years, and then you look at the, when he first came to the Pelicans, too, it was you never knew what you were going to get. You are either going to get the best player in the league or nothing. Every time he falls, every Laker fan yeah. is, oh, no, is that his knee? Is that an ankle? Is that a shoulder? Is that a growing? Um, it is scary, and here's the scariest thought for Laker fans. We are very top-heavy with just LeBron and AD. Let's say... AD succumbs to something and misses 20 to 30 games. Yeah. Let's say LeBron has to, in, in year 20, age 38, has miss, to miss, miss 15, some games. 20, yeah. What if this Laker team ends up horrible and they end up getting the number one pick, which should be Victor Webinyama, but it gets moved to New Orleans because of that trade? Like, that yeah. is terrible. the worst thought possible if they're a 15 to 20 win team. If those guys get injured because three through 15, they do not have the talent to compete. I think the Lakers figure it out. I think they make the playoffs. And I think I love your optimism. I think there's an outside chance that they're even a top four team in the playoffs. I really do like them. I think they'll figure it out. I like that they have a young coach, somebody that LeBron James can kind of mold. I like that they have a defensive identity like we spoke at the beginning of the show with Patrick Beverly this year. They'll at least focus on it. Uh, Patrick Beverly had four steals. AD had four steals. They're getting in yeah. passing lanes. They played the best team in the league. They played the Warriors, right, in week one. Let's give them a break. Let's give them a break. At least LeBron looked like LeBron, and AD played some minutes, and they had an identity on defense. So I think the Lakers will get it figured out, but I do agree with you. That's a huge storyline because the league goes with the Lakers, right? It's just Absolutely. like it'd be like the Yankees being the worst team in the league. No one gives a shit about baseball. <laughs> that's just the way that it goes. The only league that's kind of absent from that is, I would say, the National Football League and then the National Hockey League because National Hockey League just isn't that relevant to enough people. That doesn't matter if the best team is the best team. Um, and then the National Football League because everybody's so blind to anything. They'll watch any kind of football you put out there. If you got if you got rid of the XFL and subbed it into the NFL, guess what? It's still going to be the same ratings because it's the only football that's out there with the NFL shield. People NFL, watch a, a Colts and yeah. a Broncos exactly. field goal contest exactly. for three and a half hours yeah. on and Thursday. And then they'll get to make millions off of the memes they come out with yeah. off of it. So, I mean, it's, it's an all-around win-win situation. But for my take on this, on this topic is uh, my Homer sidelined uh, view of it is – 
is James Harden going to return to MVP form with his, you know, Houston Rockets version 2.0? Right. At some point in the Celtics game, it was like it was like James Harden, PJ Tucker, um, like uh, Tony on the bench. Yeah, House. Uh, it was like it was literally all five former Rockets players on the on the team. And I was watching the game, and I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, I was like, "Oh no!" Well, you got Joel Embiid. You oh, got no. Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. No, no, I love the Sixers roster, but it's literally like Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, who I'm just not a fan of. He goes too soft at the fucking rim all the time. Yeah. It's like finish Playoffs, something strong at the rim, down. Tobias. I get it. You're a decent mid-range jump shooter and stuff like that. And that's your game. But when you get the ball at the rim, finish strong for me this year, Tobias. It's all masking. Just is, dunk the damn ball. Is it more frustrating that he's making 35 mil a year now? He's, he's a max contract player? No, I just wish Ben Simmons played like Tobias Harris. Like, if you could sub him out. Tobias Harris is always around the rim. He's always in those weird places where Ben Simmons would always want to be around the freaking three-point line when you don't shoot and you don't do any of that stuff. And only time you end up by the rim is when you're on some full-speed uh, dash to the to the rim. And Ben Simmons is like crap in his first game. So I'm glad we got rid of him for James Harden. Right now, it seems like the best trade of all time. And James Harden looked good. He scored 35 points i like james so that's my homer line of sight for the nba season is james hardy gonna be able to elevate us i don't think so but yes they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be a top contender we'll be in in the the mix like we always are though we've been in the mix now for for for, there was four years where we were never in the mix and now there's been four years where we're always in the mix and it's been playoff shortcomings and we got the equal same results the scary thing is james harden that freaking Kawhi leonard had that year that was our freaking championship yeah. to win, man. That with was Jimmy our Butler. freaking championship to win with Jimmy Butler, man. I miss Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I that, wish we made. I wish we made something work. I don't think Jimmy's good enough to win one in Miami, but I think he would have been able to win one with Joel Embiid. Yeah. They were like brothers. They had this mesh, man. That and sucks. I really like the Sixers ownership, but they fucked that one up. They it's, messed that one up. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. So that's my Homer line of sight. I just I'll finish up with the Ben Simmons thought, like. He reminds me of the Scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz where he's searching for a heart. He's just searching for something where when you see him play, and I, I watched the highlights yesterday, he's a drop the ball off for Kyrie or KD and just try to set a screen. Yeah. He had three shot attempts. Guess where they were all at? All layups were dunks at the rim. Like yeah. We still haven't seen him shoot a jumper in a year and a half he of scored, basketball. He scored, the, he scored the first basket and didn't take a field goal attempt for another 28 minutes of game. Yeah, play. he's... So. Like he's, Very scary to see a number he's one got, pick. He's, a, he's another Markel Fultz, which is another Sixers yep. debacle. You know, imagine That's if we rough. had imagine if we had Jason, Jason Tatum, Tatum in that spot. Jesus Christ, don't remind me. Uh, okay, so moving on to what I think the actual um, one that I'm going to go with. You kind of touched on it already, um, so I, I won't beat it to death. But Zion Williamson being back on a very talented Pelicans team. Yeah, I mean. Ingram dropped 28 as they beat down the Nets in Brooklyn. Um, but then other than that, then they got uh, they got C.J. McCollum. They got Jonas Valenzuela. They got uh, Zion Williamson. And they got uh, Jones, who's a 3 and D guy from Arkansas. And if you Fred haven't Jones. watched, yeah, if you haven't watched, if you haven't watched a lot of college basketball, Arkansas is a damn good team. And they play a lot of 3 and D kind of ball yeah. where they're shooting threes and they're playing defense. So he fits in perfect with the rest of that lineup. Uh, but Zion's 25-7, 3-1 for his statistical stat line shooting over 60. 
60% in his career. And like you said, he's just a force. He's a force. Uh, but the problem is they've only 40 and 45, 40 and 45 with him on the court. So it's time for him to live up to the billing this year and to try and prove that, hey, I'm going to stay healthy. I'm going to become a consistent team member of this team because it's 40 and 40, 45 spanned across three years now at this point. Yeah. So that, that stat's a little misleading because he's never out there for more than a 10-game stretch. So it's time to see him stay healthy and play ball and see if the Pelicans can sneak in as a top four team and be that where the hell did they come from team this year? I think they definitely can. I, I think with that Zion stat of his record with this team, none of that, none of those games were played with CJ McCollum, exactly. who is a huge pickup, the He's veteran gamer. president, gamer. veteran presence that that locker room needed, yep. and you're seeing it pay dividends. They they gave the Phoenix Suns a run for their money Should last year. Him. Yeah, they went to game six, and they beat the Clippers in the, the play-in tournament, which they are an up-and-coming team. Brandon Ingram yep. blossomed into the superstar that all of us Laker fans knew that he could potentially do, yep. but it was so far down the road that... He didn't want to wait. Nah, but looking back on it now, like all the talent that the Lakers moved out to get LeBron and AD, it's like one of those Almost sliding doors. Like, yeah. Would you rather have Lonzo and Jordan Clarkson and Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle and all these guys that have gone on and done well for themselves all growing together and playing as a nucleus? Give them a solid coach that you just stick with. So, oh, well, hindsight's 20-20. But I also like the Pelicans bench, too. Another ex-Laker, Larry Nance Jr. He's got a lot of energy coming off the bench. And that Jose Alvarado guy. Jose Alvarado. He does the sneaky little steal stuff. Have you ever seen How long is he going to get away with that? I don't know, but it's pretty. This is not high school or JV. I mean, it works. The fact that he was doing that in the postseason against Chris Paul. And it was working. Yeah, it's genius. Baffles Um, me. But what else is genius is anytime you're feeling a little low and need some energy, grab yourself a sweet fuel by Jewel Bar. They are absolutely delicious. They got bars, they got cookie bites, um, and they have brand new protein supplements on the way in the pipeline. So she is always coming up with creative products and items. And one thing is for sure that they're always made right here in Ventura, California with the finest ingredients to give you the fuel you need, whether you're getting through a regular hard day of work or getting through a hard workout at Persistence Culture. Sweet fuel by Jewel is the way to go, and this is Bump and Run, brought to you by Sweet Fuel. I'm on the line. Jam press coverage. What you got, Jeremy? I do have a quick update for you. God Sixers Bucks tonight, TNT, opening night of the opening uh, home game of the year for the 76ers. 90 to 88, they lose. James Harden does not get the game-tying shot as time. We got to stop these live uh, <laughs> updates on I, press coverage, all right? You know why I'm doing it? And it, it will bleed right into my Good. press coverage. This is what we call a segue, ladies and gentlemen. Let me see it. We've talked basketball. We've talked football. We've talked college football. We've talked every sport that's going on. Sports Equinox is today, meaning that this is only the 26th time in the history of the world that the NBA, the NFL, MLB, and NHL have all played regular season or postseason games in the same exact day. Not even, not to mention a college football game that's going on right now and the MLS playoffs, a great L.A. matchup between the Galaxy and LAFC. Winner will host the Western Conference Finals next week. And there's PGA. And there's golf. Throwing a first-round golf coverage. So, Sports Equinox. I love these type of days in sports world. Every year we go through it. My question to you, Jason, is what is your favorite date on the sports calendar that occurs year after year. I'll give you a second to think about it for the audience out there. I'll throw out some of the options out there thinking of like new year's day college football, where you get all those great games. You get the Rose bowl in the afternoon, Thanksgiving day football for diehard football fans, uh, March madness. I'll, I'll lump it in together. Day one and two that Thursday and Friday, 
16 games yeah. all throughout the slate. Unbelievable time. Um, a sports equinox day like this. So a couple years ago, I had a uh, Rams home game in the afternoon, a Dodgers NLCS game in the later afternoon, and a Lakers Clippers first week opening matchup that Sunday night. I had all my teams like that's as good as sports gets. And then I'll throw in the Super Bowl or I'll throw in week one of NFL action just to get that sure. opening. present. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what is your favorite day of the sports calendar yeah. that always comes and you love to mark your calendar for it? So to me, just the prototypical American in me wants to go with Thanksgiving Day just because I uh, like the holiday, though. Lions? But from, but from just a, from just a sports standpoint, I can't pick them because I never end up moving the needle too much on the Thanksgiving games. They never really hit that good. You could tell maybe the players aren't that involved or whatever. I just can't really remember too many like, damn, that Thanksgiving exactly. sports game was so badass. Honestly, the, the one date that always holds true, and I've talked about it a bunch of people, it should be a holiday is the Thursday and Friday of March Madness. Uh, to me, especially being a recreational sports gambler too, that's the best week. You know you're going to get the best upsets of all time. That's when you get the St. Peter's knocking off Kentucky, which absolutely demolished my bracket. Or that's when you go through the first day and you're like, oh my God, I'm 15 and 16 through the first game. Yeah. This is incredible. You know, you're riding high. And then the next day, the sports <laughs> world just kicks you right in the ACL in the and you go freaking seven out of 16 and you lose your two championship teams yeah. and your brackets complete trash. <laughs> so you know? true. But I'm always hanging on those two days to wait to see that first day that I come out like, you know, 30 out of 32 right with all my four, final four teams alive. You know, I live for those two days. I had a, bu a good buddy of mine, shout out to Shugs, whatever you're up to. He would always take that Thursday and Friday off and he would just sit at home and he would just mort around and just watch college basketball because it's all day long. It's from 9 a.m. to like yeah. 7 p.m. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it, you're always guaranteed there's some solid dogs that are going to pull out some big wins. So if you could put together the right parlay, man, there's tons of options out there, man. So, I mean, I just, to me, those are my, th that day never disappoints. I'm never disappointed by it. Where those other ones, I, I can't really remember memorable ones, but I can remember a lot of memorable upsets on day one and day two of March Madness. So that's my, that's my take. Hell yeah. That, that's always been fun. I remember in high school when I first got, when you get into the bracket yeah. and you commit to doing a bracket, whether it's a group locally or whatever type of a work group, a school group, a friends group that you're doing a challenge with brackets and probably gambling a little bit with it. Those are so important to just follow and cross off. And it's cool because we did one with our office handful of females in there don't know anything about college basketball and they're just you know they know colleges and they're just picking it and they i win it all yeah <laughs> they were whooping my ass after these thursday and friday and you analyze the whole week of yeah, breaking down so the bracket <laughs> it's it's it's, it's and we're, we're sitting there and everyone's like looking up the scores and then all of a sudden a corporate wide dink and it's like wait can't check the score. They blocked everything from us. And it, we're a nationwide company. And we every single website, I can't even type in ESPN without <laughs> oh, getting, no. you do not have permission. Oh, no. So we all started laughing. Luckily, we had some iPads. We were able to Good. connect and watch still, still watch some games. Um, Love the first two days yeah, buddy. of the calendar of March Madness. For me, and it's probably because I'm, May, and it's something like I might have to see some seek some mental help and, and rehab about someday is obsession with fantasy football, obsession with prepping. Like by the time June, July rolls around, I'm in full prep mode for the season. Yeah. I'm doing mock drafts. I'm getting my list together of how I want to go about my actual draft. Week one of an NFL season to me is like Christmas morning as an adult. 
I don't, most of my presence I feel good about. I can't wait for, like I drafted Brees Hall and I told everyone, Brees Hall is going to be a superstar. I don't know if it's game one, game two, week eight, year two, like he will be that superstar. And I have him in three leagues and he's slowly coming to show that. So week one for me of an NFL season is always like a holiday just to see what presents I get to open under my tree. Sometimes they're shit and my team sucks. And then I'm like looking at myself like, I did all this prep for two and a half months and week one, I'm miserable. But um, just, I think that's the beauty of sports, like the unknown of it. You could do all the prep you want for college basketball in the tournament for NFL and fantasy football. And you could still get beat by someone who says, Oh, I like the name oh, the way his name sounds, or I like the, where that school's located. You could do all the prep. It won't matter. But week one of the NFL action, especially this year with the Rams being Super Bowl champions, getting that banner, getting to watch that and be like, finally that yeah. you get to have that experience like week one to me, in addition to the college basketball tournament is the best day of the sports calendar. You pick my you pick my one B too, man. Week one in the NFL is great, um, but yeah, March Madness is the one that really hits home for me. But I can't argue with your take either. What's uh, better, the Super Bowl Super Bowl Sunday or Week One? Obviously, that would be depending upon the Super Bowl matchup. Yeah, yes, if your team's uh, in it, like last year was very even, important, or even just or even just an <laughs> interesting storyline or yeah. something like that, it still does it for me for the Super Bowl. But I would say consistently, if I go back across my co- entire career of watching Week One and Super Bowls of football, I'd probably say Week One's more because everybody's undefeated, man. Like no matter yeah. who your team is, you can convince yourself that you got a chance. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's so, undefeated. In the and- Super Bowl shit, your team might have been out of it for freaking ten weeks or 20 weeks already so it's and like, for a long time it was like oh tom brady again the yeah. 11th time like we, we really go. watching this again here we go so yeah so i'd have to go week one over super bowl but yeah the super Beautiful. bowl is definitely a special spot in just americana in general um so it definitely holds a, a special place um but jeremy thanks for holding down a special yes, place sir. here on press coverage sports it's been a fantastic show having you again dude i always love the prep that you bring and the energy you bring brother can't wait to do uh our next show together man absolutely yeah, it's been so, a great one and we got a great season ahead of us yeah. going to the championships happy football watching this weekend and uh baseball we'll see whatever the hell happens with them bums i'm done watching baseball me not, too not i'm anymore. transitioning to basketball yeah um <laughs> i i hope you are too because if you are that means you don't like any of those bums left thanks for tuning in to press coverage sports and please make sure you go on apple Podcasts or spotify leave a written review so you can enter yourself into the chance to win a brand new pair of the new lux leggings from get persistence apparel line uh go check them out at getpersistence.com or get persistence on ig please listen subscribe leave a review and uh, hopefully you win some cool stuff from us here at persistence culture and press coverage sports and like we always say keep moving